so many people right now are trying to figure out what they are supposed to be doing with their lives, as this has sort of become a season of wondering if we're in the right place, doing the right thing, in the right job, living in the right location, and so much more. The change in the season has us wondering, what's next? What's coming? That feeling where you're doing what you know to do up to this point, but you can't see what is on the other side. And everyone's sort of been there, or you will be there in a season of life, where you know what you need to do up to a point, and then you can't see what's coming up past that. Uh, maybe you've been feeling a, a sense of restlessness. Uh, maybe you've been feeling that God is getting you ready for something else. Maybe God is helping you let go of something, like where you live, or what you do, or what you see for your future. How do you care for your soul in seasons of change like that? Because one of the tricky things in these seasons is that our feelings and our thoughts and our emotions and God's voice can also be mixed together and it can be hard to differentiate one from another. And so you might not see or think of this as having to do with your soul, but I would propose it does. And either way, I think the scripture that we're going to look at today can help. Uh, so we're starting and rather continuing a series called Soul Care as we take some time this summer to care for our souls. And this series is not meant to exclude new people or, or people not sure about who Jesus is. In fact, if that's you, this series can actually give you a bit of the behind the scenes look at some of the foundation of our faith, which I think can be helpful to anyone regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey. And we're taking this time to care for our souls because the past few years have been tough on all of us. And then on top of that, for some of us, we've had to deal with deaths of family members or friends, job losses, financial difficulty, racism, disunity in the church, and so much more. Because after talking with some other pastors and, and mentors of mine, it seems like this summer we should take some time to do some soul care as individuals and as a church. And so last week we talked about what our souls are, the center, the sort of the core of who we are as people. And we talked about how soul exhaustion is one way to describe what many of us are feeling. And part of the reason some of us are experiencing that is because we're in a cycle of works. Uh, it starts with the achievement, uh, focusing our time and energy on activities, on outcomes, and fruit. Now that isn't necessarily bad, but as we'll see, that can't be the starting point. Because then we find our significance from our achievements. And then it's easy to sort of start attaching our identity to what we do and how good we are at it. And the problems start to show up if our achievements disappear, or we can't produce to the same level. We feel like we're nothing, we feel like we're unworthy. And then we need sustenance, which we might not find unless we achieve and are therefore significant, which can lead us to either feeling acceptance or not. And we only, only find acceptance if we have strained for achievements to make things happen. However, as some psychologists found as they studied some missionaries who were struggling, and the way that Jesus lived his life, Jesus lived differently. He didn't live by a cycle of works, but rather a cycle of grace, which is the same steps, but in a different direction and order. And the starting point is acceptance, because before Jesus did anything or accomplished anything, Jesus heard the voice of acceptance from his father. Jesus knew God loved him and called him his son, that God was pleased with him apart from anything he accomplished or achieved. And then the second step in the cycle of grace is sustenance that after Jesus was baptized and publicly accepted, he was sustained by God while doing some pretty challenging and difficult things. And this is God providing those things that nourish us and keep us healthy. These are rhythms of life or spiritual practices that kept Jesus going and can keep us going as well. And then step three is significance. Before he ever did a miracle or gathered a crowd for teaching, Jesus was making an impact because he knew who God was and who God made him to be. 
And lastly, step number four is achievement. Now, while achievement should be put in its place, notice it's last on this list, there is something satisfying to our souls to put work, effort, and time into something and then achieve something. But our souls get exhausted when we switch this cycle around. And soul exhaustion can be reversed when we are accepted before we achieve. So today we're going to take a look at a section of the Bible that might be familiar to you, but my hope is that God will illuminate something new to you. Because I think that God wants to sort of turn on the light switch to help you see something about yourself and also to help see something about God that might help your soul. We're going to start reading in Psalm 23. You can follow along in the Bible app. If you don't have a Bible app, head to bible.com app. Once you're in the app, head to the more menu option in the bottom right corner, select events, and you can find our church. We'll also have all the notes and verses on the screen as well. Now, the book of Psalms can, can be a great place to go when you have a lot of feelings or you really have a lot of anything because David was sort of all up in his emotions and had a lot going on. He's a very honest and transparent person telling God what he's feeling, which can really be helpful for us. Psalm 23, beginning in verse 1, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. One of the things that can be difficult about seasons of change is that change can often lead us to question ourselves. Uh, worse yet, change can make you question your identity. Change will make you wonder, well, who am I? And so when we're in a season of change, we have to remind ourselves of who we are. Now, the best way to remind ourselves of who we are is to make sure we know as much as we can about who God is. Because a significant portion of our identity is ascribed to us. It's given to us. And the primary person who has given us an identity is the one who loves us and made us. So it makes sense that David would begin this way in this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, he says. That God is like a shepherd. Now, real quick, let us know in the chat if you have ever shepherded sheep. Now, I would wait a few more minutes, but I'll go out on a limb and assume that almost none of us have ever shepherded sheep before. This can be one of the challenging parts for us to understand the Bible because those metaphors aren't always directly relatable to us today. Now, we aren't an agrarian culture, or at least we're not as focused on agriculture today. But what do we know about shepherds? Well, we know that shepherds are responsible for caring for the sheep. Shepherds care for the sheep. Shepherds guide the sheep. Shepherds know better than the sheep. Shepherds lead with compassion and strength. And David says this is what God is like. But David says that God is not just like any shepherd. He is not just a shepherd. He's not the shepherd. David says the Lord is my shepherd. He's the one leading me. He's the one guiding me. He's the one caring for me. I have my eyes fixed on him because he knows exactly what I need and where we are headed. Now, to continue the metaphor, the sheep don't always know where they're headed. How could they, right? And speaking of that, what is one of the number one adjectives we use to describe sheep? We might say they're fluffy and gentle and small and really they're, they're dumb, right? Now, I'm not sure that I was the only one who thought of that. I'm just the one who said it, right? But sheep are dumb and they do some dumb things. And David says, we're actually like sheep. Like, have you ever known a human to do something dumb? Now, I don't know about you, but I look back on some of the decisions that I made and I wonder, why did I do that? Why did I say that? I, I, I lost my temper or I got upset about something and I wonder, was that even really that important? Unfortunately, like many things, it's a lot easier to spot dumb in others than it is to spot in ourselves. We all know people can do dumb things and David might, be, might try to remind us that we are more like sheep than we think that you can't see the future. You don't know exactly where you're headed. 
Also, you can be impulsive, impatient, uh, quick to get distracted by something shiny. He doesn't say you're dumb, but you need to. You need someone to guide you. You need someone to lead you. You need someone who knows the way. You need someone who has everything you're going to need for the journey. That is your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. It's as if the first part sort of leads to the second part, that the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I lack nothing. There's nothing we lack if the Lord is our shepherd. I have everything I need, which is kind of hard to believe in seasons of change and uncertainty because we might say things like, well, I need to know where to go and I don't. I need to know what to do and I don't. I need to know how to handle this situation. So if we are self-aware at least a little bit, we, are, we realize that some of what we lack, that I lack quite a bit, and when I look at the seasons of my life where there's change and uncertainty, I can identify many things that I lack. Experience, education, skills, opportunities, and of course money. And usually we see things that we think we lack when we look out at the world around us. A new job or a different job, more in your paycheck or maybe a different paycheck, uh, more peace or maybe more comfort, more freedom or more autonomy, a different set of relationships or, or whatever it might be. And then sometimes we look internally and realize we lack courage, we lack confidence, patience, humility, clarity, calming presence. Uh, maybe like you, I've searched internally for those things and I was left realizing that I don't have those things in me and I might not have the ability to develop those things by myself. And yet David says, I lack nothing. And yet even though the sheep may think that they lack something, David says, as long as the shepherd has it, we don't lack anything. And the sheep don't know where they're going, but as long as the shepherd does, they're okay. The sheep don't have everything they need to face what they're gonna face that day, but as long as the shepherd is with them, then they're gonna be okay. And if that's you today, you're sort of looking internally and realizing that there are things that you lack, I want to remind you or maybe introduce you for the first time to the shepherd who has everything you will need. If you don't have it right now, maybe that's because God doesn't think you need it right now. If you feel like you need it right now, but you don't have it yet, maybe that's because God will give it to you at just the right time. And let me remind you that the role of the sheep is not to be the shepherd, but to follow the shepherd. You might not have everything you think you need, but remember, you have the shepherd. And then the shepherd leads us to do some things that are a little bit different. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Uh, why does the shepherd have to make me have to make the sheep rather lie down in green pastures? Because sometimes they and we don't rest well. Sometimes I don't rest well because I feel that if I don't make it happen, it won't happen. And the shepherd wants the sheep to know that sometimes you just need to lay down in the green pasture and trust that the shepherd knows what he's doing. Because for the sheep to lie down in green pastures, they have to trust that the shepherd will take care of them because this would be a pretty vulnerable position for the sheep, uh, an, easy, an easy stationary target for predators. And when we take this position of resting, we're in a bit of a vulnerable position as well, acknowledging and trusting that God is taking care of us because we are finite and have limited energy and strength and God has infinite life and infinite strength. And you need the rest and, and you need to not take on roles or worries and responsibilities that you weren't meant to take on. Now, this is not being lazy, that's different, which can sometimes be hard for some of us to determine. But remember that you have to do what only you can do and the shepherd will do what only he can do. Verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters. And this also represents giving the sheep what they need to keep going. 
When the sheep get tired or thirsty, he replenishes them. When our souls feel tired or weary, God can replenish us. And the shepherd does this by going to a quiet, a safe area where the sheep can drink. The sheep are free from harm, and God does this for us as well. Verse 3, he refreshes my soul. He can restore us and our souls, the center of our being, which includes our physical and our mental and emotional health as well. We need all, we all need safe places to replenish. And this is good news that your shepherd and my shepherd refreshes, refills our souls. So I ask you again, how does your soul feel today? Does your soul feel refreshed or does it feel like it needs refreshing? I think almost all of us know what that feels like. And so I want to do everything I can to point you towards the shepherd because you can't care for your soul alone. That soul care is not an individual endeavor. The shepherd sort of comes along and says, I want to come alongside you and refresh your soul. And did you know that people can feel the state and the condition of your soul? If you're a parent, your kids can feel the condition of your soul. If you're a spouse, your spouse can feel the state or the condition of your soul. Your friends can feel the state of your soul. If you're a manager, your direct reports can feel the state of your soul. That people can feel your soul and what people usually feel is a reflection of what's happening internally. And the shepherd comes along and says, I want to refresh your soul. Because I'm not sure about you, but I don't know where else to go, go to get my soul refreshed. Verse 3, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. That there's a purpose to the shepherd's guidance. He has a reason. And this is remarkable that God actually does this for humans. And yet, we can get lost in the spectrum of possibilities of what this means. Does God know every detail of our lives? And he's involved in every single minor and major decision of our life. Or does God sort of generally guide the direction of your life? And he, he gives us freedom to choose what we want in areas where he hasn't been clear about a moral choice. And I think sometimes God gives us the opportunity to choose. And then other times God has a specific direction for our lives. And sometimes we have the freedom to choose as well. And then other times God wants something specific for us. Because for both of those things, it requires us to trust him and to seek his guidance first. Uh, maybe the updated metaphor here is your map app. And if you're like me, I'm constantly putting in an address in my map app because I want to know the options of how to get somewhere, including the fastest way. But also I want to know if there's going to be traffic or road closures or an accident that everyone is just sort of rubbernecking for. Uh, side note, uh, God is sort of like a GPS system that's guiding us. God does this through his Holy Spirit, which can be a bit weird for some people, maybe because we sort of struggle discussing the intangible. But after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he was sort of hanging out with his followers, reminding them that God was going to send the Holy Spirit to be inside of them and to guide them. And so just a quick reminder that he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Now, that's not so that we get the glory, not so that I'm more successful. He guides along the right paths so that he can be seen as great by others. Verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, this is one of the more famous lines from the psalm. And, and some of you might think that David got this from Coolio, but I want to reassure you that Coolio actually took this line from David. Uh, anyhow, valleys can be dangerous places in ancient times. Uh, also for us, we usually like mountains more than valleys, or maybe more accurately, we would rather look at the valley from a mountain rather than being in the valley looking up at the mountain. And yet we know that there will be valleys 
in our lives. And the problem is, when we are in a valley, we sort of question everything, including asking, where's God? Uh, has he sort of forgotten about me? Has he decided that he's not going to intervene and help me? And sometimes we get these verses mixed up. We walk through the green pastures and we lay down in the valley. But that is not the way that the shepherd wants to guide us. That we are supposed to lay down in the green pastures and walk through the valley. And sometimes walking feels slow, but walking is moving. And if you're in a valley, I want to encourage you with a couple of things. Number one, you have to walk through the valley. There's really no other way, and you can't see what's on the other side, but that doesn't mean that God is distant or absent. You just have to keep walking. You have to do the next right thing. And then number two, remind yourself that God is with you in the valley, that even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That we experience the shepherd's presence through his rod and his staff. The rod represents the instrument that would sort of beat off anything coming to attack the sheep. And this represents God's power, that there's nothing that he can't do. And the staff represents his graciousness and the second chances to get back, to get us back to where he wants us to be when we take a wrong step, when we miss his cue, when we make a mistake, when we mess it up. That God's power and his grace can comfort us to be able to go through the risky, difficult, and uncertain situations that involve trusting the shepherd. And then David says something that seems a bit strange, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now David actually had enemies, people pursuing him to do harm to him, and so he was avoiding and running away from them specifically. But our enemies could be lots of things that could also get in the way of the direction God wants to lead us. Maybe it's the shame of your past, uh, fear of the future, loneliness, that you experience. Whatever your enemy is, know that God is so powerful and you are so his, and that he prepares this elaborate meal in the presence of your shame, in the presence of your fear, in the presence of the loneliness, to let you know that you are his. That the enemy might be sort of taunting you or tempting you, but God is letting you know, and the enemy know, that he has got you. And he says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And it seems that this is sort of referring to the sheep getting caught in something which might hurt them. So the shepherd would comfort the sheep when they were hurt. And even if the shepherd went off course or away from the shepherd's guidance, the shepherd still comforts his sheep. My cup overflows that if you have the shepherd, you have all you need and more. And then David ends with this line, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not hopefully or maybe, maybe or you know, we'll see this happen. No, surely your goodness and love will follow me. Uh, one commentator likened the goodness and love to two dogs or two sheep dogs running around fending off the enemy from the sheep and also sort of making sure that the sheep stayed together. And that's what God's goodness and love can do, keeping away the enemies and keeping us together. That God's love and goodness will never lose sight of you. Even when you're on the sheep that sort of goes off the course, or even when you're the sheep that, that gets himself caught in a thorny situation, even when you're the sheep that falls into a hole, even when you're the sheep that, that doesn't know where to go or what to do, God's goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life. Surely your goodness and love will follow me, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that we can be with God forever. And this speaks to the relationship we can have with God that we are always with him and he is always with 
us. Now the question for you might be, is God real? That might be the question that some of you are asking. But for the rest of us, I want to ask you, is God your shepherd? Have you been looking to him as your Lord and your shepherd? Or have you been looking to someone else or something else to lead and guide you? Have you called out to him as your shepherd? Or have you been trying to deal with this season or these changes on your own? That soul care is not an individual endeavor. Soul care is a reminder to trust God. Whether the winds of change are sort of blowing in your life or maybe things are just calm. Is God still your shepherd? Maybe you're in a season where you need to know that God is there and that he's guiding you. Will you call on him as your shepherd? I know these seasons of change and uncertainty are difficult, but what I don't know is how you go through those seasons of change and uncertainty without God as your shepherd. I hope that you will look to God as your shepherd today. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this passage. Thank you for the psalm that David wrote. Thank you for David's transparency and his honesty about the emotions and the feelings that he had, and also these reminders, these, these reminders that are so important, that we know some of these things, that we sort of have heard these things before, but in seasons of change and uncertainty, we need to be reminded of these important truths. So God, would you help us to realize that you want to care for us, and it's not an individual endeavor. It's not something we do on our own. But yet you want to care for us. You want to be our shepherd to help lead and guide us and care for us when we don't know what to do. And really, we can't know what to do. Not that we're necessarily dumb, God. I don't think you would say that to us. But we do need somebody to lead us. And so, God, we turn to you now. Would you help all of us in whatever season of life we may find ourselves in to acknowledge that you are our shepherd. And you want to be our shepherd to help lead and guide us. You want to help keep the enemy away. You want to help keep us together. So God, would you help us to follow you wherever it is that you're asking us to go? And if we just know the one step in front of us, would you help us to take that step? If we can't see out into the future, would you help us to follow you wherever it is you're leading us? God, that's going to be hard, and so we need your help. Would you help guide us through your Holy Spirit? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.